Welcome to Spirit of Prophecy Church, the 930 service, so happy to have you here. I'm going to talk on the origin and the meaning of the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Now, maybe you'll find this interesting, maybe you won't. I did, and I've just been, it's really been on my heart for about six months to really get into why these words were written. And so, anyway, I found some really interesting things, and I think you'll be... Um, that relate, of course, to Revelation, your, your alley, right? And that's why I have Pastor Stan up here by me because I know he's going to have a lot to say because it's, it has a lot to do with uh, Revelation and how, how these words were developed. So anyway, we'll, we'll get into the teaching of it. But this Julia Ward Howe, who is she? Well, she's the one that came up with the words to the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Uh, this came from the site... Um, What's it called? Posted by Tea Time. It was on in 2012 by Victoria Jones. That's where I got a lot of this information. And it was she wrote the Battle Hymn of Republic. It's a popular patriotic song, song and it's also performed at funerals. Uh, it's also at, you know you 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 hear it at the presidential nominating conventions and inaugurations. Both parties, by the way. It was originated during the Civil War, so that's how it all started and where it started. Hal is a, she traveled with her husband, Samuel, to inspect the Union camp outside of Washington, D.C., and she noticed uh, there were some soldiers marching along, and they were singing this song. It was a, it's a catchy tune. and a song that the troops were singing called John Brown's Body Lies a Moldering or Decaying in the Grave. And I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. And so John Brown, who was he? He was a radical abolitionist. He was wanting to stop slavery. And so he was, he was uh, stirring up the, the other soldiers to, to join with him to stop the, the slavery. And that's how there was a... He actually, he really is probably the one that started the Civil War <laughs> or initiated the Civil War because... The North against the South, you know, stopping it. Uh, John Brown, he was executed in 1859 after leading uh, an unsuccessful raid on the Federal Army in Harpers, in Harpers Ferry, Virginia. Now it's called West Virginia. It killed 14 men, but Brown became a Union hero. Uh, there's a picture of John Brown. Uh, he's the one with the beard touching the little baby. So cute. <laughs> the baby is cute. <laughs> uh, John Brown was a controversial figure who played a major role in leading the United States to Civil War. He was also a devout Christian and lifelong abolitionist who tried to eradicate slavery from the United States through increasing radical means. And unlike most uh, abolitionists, Brown was not a, a pacifist. And he came to believe that violence was necessary to, to dislodge slavery. And that's how that all happened. Uh, he, they, he gathered others. They engaged in a violent battles with pro-slavery citizens in Kansas and Missouri. He led a raid on the federal munitions or the weaponries depot at Harpers, Valley, Harpers, excuse me, Harpers Ferry. That, rail, that raid failed, and it helped... Uh, gosh, I'm having a hard time talking It's today. okay. <laughs> I'm not helping you either. You're, you're, <laughs> you're going to be just fine. However, I remembered I, said, I lost my... I forgot my glasses. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of the railed... 
uh, railroad <laughs> is raid failed. Okay, we'll say it that way. It helped pers uh, precipitate the Civil War and turn Brown into a martyr for the abolitionist cause. Uh, he has seven children with his first wife, who he married at the age of 20. After she died in, in 1832, he remarried and fathered 13 more children. Uh, he moved his family to several different northern states, and he attempted to earn a living by working as a tanner, a land speculator, and co-owned a wool merchant company, but nothing succeeded. And abolitionists became his overriding concern. Now, Brown, he moved back east and began planning and fundraising for a slave insurrection that he would lead. In October the 16th, 1859, he and 21 men raided the federal arsenal at Harper's Ferry, Virginia, on the theory that slaves would rise up against their masters when word spread the Brown's actions. However, that's not what happened. So they didn't, the slaves did not join in with him at that time. Um, Brown's rebellion was swiftly crushed when U.S. Army Colonel Robert E. Lee and 100 Marines surrounded him, and he was captured, he was tried, and he was convicted, and he was hung on December 2nd, 1859. Now, you're probably saying, what does this have to do with anything with the Bible? Why are you bringing this? Well, that you'll soon find out. Yeah, the, the song of the Battle Hymn of the Republic is really taken out of Revelation. Anyway, he was executed. Here's a, just a picture I found on the internet, on the internet that December the 2nd, 1859, he was hung. And actually, he was hung with several other, other men. Now, I'm going to play this video, and I, it'll get kind of boring. Um, it's about three minutes, so it's not real long. But uh, I just want you to know that the reason I'm going to play the whole thing is because it's you know going to go on the internet on my talk and also in the train of the prophets so i want to have it on there old john brown's body lies a moldering in the grave while we the sons of bondage we ventured all to save but though he lost his life while struggling for the slave his soul is marching on glory glory hallelujah this was the original song before the Battle of Hymn the Republic. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His soul is marching on. John Brown was a hero, one daunted, true, and brave. And Kansas knows his valor when he fought or rights to save. Now, though the grass grows green above his grave, his soul is marching on. Glory. Harper's Ferry with his 19 men so few and frightened old Virginia till she trembled through and through. They hung him for a traitor, they themselves the traitor crew. His soul is marching on.
brown was John the Baptist of the Christ we are to see. Christ who of the bondsman shall the liberator be. And soon throughout the sunny south the slaves shall all be free. His soul is marching on. The conflict that he heralded, he looks up from heaven to view. On the army of the Union with its flag red, white, and blue. And heaven shall ring with anthems o'er the deed they mean to do. His soul is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His soul is marching on. Ye soldiers of freedom, then strike while strike ye may The death blow of oppression Is a better time and way For the dawn of old John Brown Is brightened in today And his soul is marching original song. You found this interesting? Okay, I do. So, okay, a few of us saying, yeah. Okay, great. I find the song painful. It makes my teeth hurt. <laughs> um, so, Julia, <clears throat> Julia Ward Howe, she was born in 1819, lived till 1910. And anyway, she, her, while she was there with her husband in that Washington, D.C. area, um, she, she heard the tune the men were singing, and uh, a friend of hers, a reverend, came up to her. His name was James Freeman Clark. And he suggested to her that uh, for her to write some good words for the tune. And he suggested something higher-minded and something grander and more poetic. So apparently she was quite the, the writer at the time. So now let's watch this information about Julia Ward Howe. Julia grew up in New York as the gifted daughter of a rich banker. And Julia, from a young age, wanted to be a writer. But her father kept a very close watch on her. He censored her reading, and he wouldn't allow her to go to the theater. For all of his affection, she often felt that he was her jailer. In her own words, she often wished that I had been a boy in view of the limitations of a girl's aspirations. At 22, Julia married a dashing, brilliant, handsome man, Dr. Samuel Gridley Howe. Chev, as she called him, was a domineering husband who believed that a woman, a married woman, should find all of her happiness in her home and her children. And by the 1860s, by 1861, when the Civil War broke out, she was feeling like an artistic failure, silenced, marginalized and useless. In November 1861, Julia meekly accompanied Chev to Washington. While he was away at meetings, her minister, James Freeman Clark, said to her that it would be a good idea if she would write more eloquent words to the tune of John Brown's body, which the Union soldiers sang as they marched along. 
all the lyrics came to her and she woke up in the middle of the night and wrote them down in the dark. She felt confident in sending them to James Field, who was the editor of the Atlantic Monthly. And in February 1862, he published them on the front page of the Atlantic and he paid her $5. As she approached her 50th birthday, Julia had a vision of a new world of womanhood. In 1869, in Boston, she joined the new American Women's Suffrage Association. And the American Women's Suffrage Association supported having men as members and as officers. They supported the 15th Amendment, which gave the vote to black American men. She traveled around the United States with other suffragists, and she was inspired by their companionship. In 1876, Chev died. He left her nothing in his will. <clears throat> so, uh, Julia, she was a, fe a feminist, but not in the sense of the feminist as we know today. I mean, she wasn't for abortions and things like that. It was more to get um, the slaves free and also for women's rights to vote, for for black men, women, you know, to vote and things like that. So th this is where, when you hear the word feminist on that end for her, it's not like what we see today. Now, it doesn't mean she wouldn't have been that, but that's not what, that's not what her goal was. <clears throat> now, she received these words in the middle of the night. She got up when it was dark, and then she wrote these words. These words were just coming to her. She found a... a a pen, I guess they kind of use like ink pens, like a dipping, like, what do you call those? What is it? Not a fountain pen. <laughs> oh, a quill, whatever it was. Pencil. <laughs> okay. So, is your microphone on? Okay, turn your microphone on. Yeah. <clears throat> it's probably going to be up. He tries to be funny, but doesn't usually work. Anyway, she received this in the middle of the night. And she wrote it in the dark. She found a, a pen and she just started writing down the words. And it was published in USA and also in Europe. And his souls marching on the U Union soldiers sung in chorus until Hal rewrote the, rewrote the lyrics, that is. <clears throat> and the stanza one, the first stanza says, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. So these words actually came from, um, from Revelation. We'll see here in just a minute. But the lyrics of the return of Jesus is not popular with most Christians as we know, right? Most churches aren't going to tell you what's really going to happen with the, the return of Jesus. And I really believe that she kind of, she and others probably thought that, that the end of the age was right then for her at that time. Like God is going to come down with his terrible Swiss sword, and, which we know that is the... Morning star. And going to, you know, just <clears throat> point it at them and be done and the whole, you know, everything will be taken care of. But we, we see, we know that's not, that's not what happened today. And we, we know that we're living in the end times at this point. <clears throat> I'm not in the belief, like... Standstill is, I think, from the fence about it, but I don't believe that we're in the last seven years. My, my, my thoughts I'm not only. convinced we are either. I'm okay. convinced we're close if we're not in. <laughs> right. But anyway, but the return of Jesus is not popular. That's why some of the, the verses, some of the stanzas, 
in churches when they sing this song, they don't sing them because they're not real popular with Christians. They're too, it makes Jesus like sound too harsh. You know, they really have just the Sermon on the Mount type of messages. And the words like trampling and wrath and lightning and sword are not friendly words. And so they don't, they don't like that. Um, they're, again, they're more likely to be embracing like Sermon on the Mount. They want to the, ignore the other side of God, which we know here at this church and also through the Prophecy Club, we want to know the whole side, both sides, all of it with, with God, the whole word. And then in Revelation 14, 14, it said to, to 17, it says, And I look, and behold, a white cloud. And upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man, having a, his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle and reap, for the time is come for there to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the, out of the temple, which is in the heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry unto him that he had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sickle, sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden under, trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even into the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. So here's where I'd like for you to talk about this. Okay, well. <clears throat> you can go back. If you need yeah, to. let me back up. All right, first of all, where it says... Uh, I looked and behold a white cloud, and upon the cloud one sat like unto the Son of Man. Like is the key word there. It's not Jesus. It is one of the two angels that have been given sharp sickles. One, Jesus returns with the morning star, which is the breath of his nostrils. He brandishes his sword, and that's more like a laser beam. Remember, the Bible says, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at the right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. So, the 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 morning star is very specific. It takes out the tares. The tares, when the wheat first comes up, appear to be just like the wheat. You can't tell the difference between a tear or the wheat until the harvest. At the harvest, the wheat has fruit and it bends down like this because of the weight of the seeds or the fruit. Whereas the tear stands up like this. And the farmer looking out into his field can easily, at the harvest time, see the tares. It's almost like they're saying, here I am, here I am, okay? Whereas the wheat all look like this. So the, the, the farmer goes out and pulls up all of the tares, binds them into bundles, casts them into the fire. So the wheat and the tares grow together. Whereas the grapes, grapes grow in a grape vineyard. They don't grow among the wheat. Wheat don't grow in the grape vineyard, so they're two different. What's the difference? The tares are among the wheat. The weeds represent the Christians, whereas the grapes are nations that have no Christians in them, uh, like Muslim nations or Buddha nations or something like that. They have almost no Christians. That's a grape nation. The two angels with swords return slashing the grapes, and they are what causes the blood to rise to the horse bridles by the face of 1,600 furlongs. 
One of the Crusades, I had uh, one of our dear friends walk up and he says, Stan, I have a question. And I could just see him saying like, oh boy. <laughs> he said, so if Jesus uses the morning star and those people hit by the morning star fall to the ground, a pile of ashes and bones, as you say, how is it that the blood rises to the horse bridles by 1,600 furlongs? And I said, you know I do have the answer, right? He smiled. He said, I figured so. I said, the two angels with sharp sickles slashed the grapes. That's where the blood comes from. Whereas Jesus that uses the morning star as lightning shines even from the east into the west, so, so also shall the coming of the sun. You guys probably recognize our study Bible prophecy, right? Uh, shines even from the east into the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man. That's the morning star. What they're referring to here is uh, with the bread, here, let me back up the words here. Back up, back up. Oh, here it is. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. When I first saw these, I thought someone had seen a vision of Jesus' return. That's not true. They're just talking about what the Bible says. He's trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. In other words, those nations that don't have hardly any Christians in them. He has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. That's the morning star. His truth is marching on. What he does is he blows down truth on the earth and he removes all sin. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, and I'll hand it back to you. Thank you. See why I have to have him up here? <laughs> I, I, said, I can't handle this part. You get, I, I've been married to you 40 years, and I don't know, at least the last maybe how long, 10, a lot of this is coming out or five, ten years, five years, however long, about the morning star and everything. And five years. Five years. years, and, I, and so I said five, six, seven. Eight years. <laughs> five years. Six A years. few less than ten uh, have, um, have, you know, been hearing this, and it's still like all the time with me, so. Okay, now, may I say something? Of course. Okay, so Leslie and I are a unique couple. She's the Word of God. She hears. She's like a cup. She, she gathers and catches the anointing of the Lord and pours that out on His people. That's the job of a prophet. She hears and speaks. I sort of hear. <laughs> Instead, I'm the Word in terms of Here's what's written, okay? I'm, I'm the written guy, okay? Well, this, yeah, the, the word says this, and I'm the guy that memorizes it and quotes it back. It's two different ministries. However, they're two parts of a half, and I think we work very well together. So you proceed. Yes. <laughs> Forty years I've stayed with him, and, you know, I'm not training another one. I forget. I forget what the thing, you asked me a question, something like, well, does this look good? Or well, some question. And she turned around to me and I was going, <laughs> what? I said, I have learned when to keep my mouth shut. I did not ask him if I look good. No, he it was, he it was another that. question. He would say, yeah, you look good. He, it was a different type of question for him to do that, to keep his mouth shut. I wish I, yeah, so, so. He would not have kept his mouth shut if I said, do I look good? He would have gone, his mouth would have been open. All right, anyway, I encourage you to get uh, The Mark of the Beast and also Stan's other book, which I don't have it up there. Um, the 
What's it called? Your other book. Secret Door to Understanding Bible Prophecy. Anyway, you can go to the Prophecy Club and get these books. Actually, if you're here at church and you don't have them, especially as church members for the Spirit of Prophecy Church, you need to get them and then hand them out. I endorse that. <laughs> In Revelation 19.15, And out of his mouth go the sharp sword with that with with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the almighty God and that's why it's other nations but they were saying they they didn't understand back then obviously and still today they don't understand about what the grapes really mean and the winepress but that's I would thank you for giving us the information um, the title, uh, The Battle Hymn of the Republic by Julia Ward, it won the Pulitzer Prize in 1939. Actually, this, sorry, I need to back up here. I said something out that wasn't true. John Steinbeck is his name. He wrote The Grapes of Wrath. How many of you were told to read it in high school or college? You probably didn't read it. You probably just, nope. Yeah. <laughs> you just faked it till you made it and got your A and moved on. But, or he wrote Mice and Men and some other, other ones. But he took the information from, like, from Julia Howe Ward, and, and then he wrote the book, The Grapes of Wrath. And, again, it's not the understanding, like, what we understand now from the Bible prophecy point of view. But he won a Pulitzer Prize in 1939, uh, and he won a Nobel Prize Um and then it inspired the Jodes family surviving the Dust Bowl, because that's what he wrote about, I guess, in the, the, the Grapes of Wrath, if I have that correct. Um, it was this, this family was migrating from Oklahoma to California. Do, do you know about the Dust Bowl? Have you heard about the Dust Bowl? There's a movie on it. I need to look at the movie so we I can understand it, so, so I can get a download about what the, the Dust Bowl was about. But it was... It, it lasted a long time, I think like 10 years or something. And it was, it was like a, a man, man-made catastrophe is what they say because the farmers weren't doing things correct or something like that. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's interesting. But anyway, he took the words from the Bible in Revelation in the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And again, he was quite a, a writer. And apparently it's just one of those books that is... I know that it's been out. I know it's out in colleges, but it's probably out in high school, too. Here's a picture of the Dust Bowl. Now, I mean, we, lived, we grew up in Odessa, Texas, Stan and I. Um, and we could, we, you know, literally, because it's just so flat, I mean, you can look straight and just see down the highway for miles and miles and miles. Uh, you, we could see the dust when it would start rolling in. It might be taking two days before it get to us. <laughs> but we could see it coming. Oh, there's going to be a dust storm in a couple of days. Because the clouds, you could just see them start rolling. And it's not, it's, it's quite the sight to see. I don't think I would like to be in, in, in a dust bowl like this, what they call it. I mean, cattle, the cattle died, people died. It was not good. So maybe I'll just bring you all a little showing on the, the dust bowl sometime. Huh? Oh, yeah, they still have dust bowls all, all the time, but not like lasting for years and years and years. It just kind of rolls in, and, and praise God, it rolls out. You, go, you have, you know, until the rains come, you know, then you have mud. No. <laughs> um, 
but John Steinbeck, you know, the Grapes of Wrath, he didn't originate this phrase, but neither did Julia Howard Ward, or Ward Howe, and borrowed language from the biblical authors, like in the Bible, they, who wrote the Bible, and compared it to uh, God's wrath to the wine press. Now, when the harvest time comes, God will cut down the ripe grapevines with a sickle. This is where your expertise will come in. And trample the grapes, which you now know are the nations, underfoot. And it says their juices will be squeezed out into the vats and poured over the earth. Now, it doesn't say juices like grape juice. It talks about blood. And so that's why sometimes these words in Revelation are not real popular at churches to, to, be, to be discussed. And they, of course, were saying, you know, Howard Ward, Julia Ward, Howe, and also Steinbeck mm -hmm. and others, um, they were saying that the grapes were representing unrepentant sinners, but we know it's even more than that. They're not believing in Jesus. And the wine is their blood, and it says the treading action represents God's fury. Again, they thought that the time at the end was right now, and that God was just going to strike down and take his terrible swift sword and, and, and kill off everybody in the south. That's what they, they thought. The metaphor is developed the most thoroughly by the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, and it's about Christ's second coming will look like. So if you'd like to, again, if you, uh, to me, I, I think that it'd be best if you get Stan's books on um, The Secret Door and also uh, Miss the Mark, and it'll help you really understand it better and listen to what you know he has to say now in revelation 14 9 it says and the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand the same shall drink of the wine the wine of the wrath of god which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth, and cast it into the creek wine past of the wrath of God. Uh, here's a picture of um, an ancient wine press. In Revelation 14:20 says, And the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even into the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. And then 15, verse, uh, 19:15 says, And out of his mouth go the sharp sword, that it should smite the nations, and he shall rule with them with a sharp rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. So, I mean, in the word it says very clear in the, the nations. Do you have anything else you'd like to say? Go ahead. You done with me? No, no I'm not, go ahead. No, I'm not done with you. I'll keep you another 40. <laughs> uh, John wasn't the only one who had these visions of Christ. Uh, Isaiah, as we know, saw some things about 800 years earlier. Uh, he saw, really, a vision of Jesus, a crimson stained figure. He looks like he'd been crushed by the grapes. Um, and after receiving this vision, Isaiah engaged in some questions and answers with Jesus. You can read that on your own. Isaiah 63, 1 through 6. Oh, I have it. Okay, we'll read it. There we go. Isaiah 63, 1 says, Who is that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozar, Zarath, and that glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength? I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. 
Wherefore art thou red in thy apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth the vine, the wine fat? I have trodden the, the vine press alone, the wine, wine press alone, and other people there was none with me, for I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is mine in my heart, and I, the year of the redeemed is come. And I looked, and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore, mine own arm brought salvation unto me, and by fury it upheld me. And I will tread down the people in mine anger, and make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to the earth. Would you like to say something? <clears throat> I'd be delighted. Can I have my... Your clicker back. Okay, so to explain this, where it says uh, he was uh, coming from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah. Remember Jesus when uh, Mary went to the tomb that morning and thought it was a gardener and said, where have you laid his body? And he said, Mary. And she said, Rabboni, which is to say master. She recognized him. Then he said, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended my father. So during that time when he was first resurrected, he apparently went to heaven, and I believe from all the other scriptures, he dipped his wedding garment, which was not the, the clothes he's had on now, his wedding garment into his blood uh, that was shed, and then some 2,000 years later when he returns, it says, and he has on his vesture on his garment, uh, a name written, Miss, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and it's been dipped in his own blood. So in this case, he's saying, dyed garments from Bozrah. He's saying, I have dipped these garments, these wedding clothes, because we're coming from the marriage supper of the Lamb with him, riding on white horses behind him. In front of us, there's Jesus, there's two angels with sharp sickles, and then the armies in heaven, and then us that got to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then it says... Uh, uh, wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments uh, like him are treadeth in wine fat? When Jesus was crucified, he was crucified right next to Joseph of Arimathea's wine growing place. Whenever he, he had a big, Leslie, I've been there, we've seen pictures of this big underground cavern basically where he stored water and he would grow his grapes. That's the reason he was a wealthy man. Jesus was crucified right there. And when he returns, he's going to draw the armies from the north, the east, basically all the armies of the world, right down to the same place just outside the city, the same place Jesus shed his blood at the wine press. He's going to shed their blood at the wine press. That's the reason it says wine fat. I've trodden the wine press alone. Now, when he says alone, that means that the bride does not help. Only him and his two angels, those are the only ones that do any of the killing. We are there, we observe. Now, there's some people that weren't ready that didn't get to go in to the wedding, but those that are ready get to go in. We get to see all of this vengeance where he cleanses the earth of all of the sin. Uh, second from the bottom line, uh, I will tread them in my anger and trample, trample them in my fury and their blood will be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. So he's saying that these 
evil people that, and I believe it includes all of the angels because she's already read the scripture. A lot of people don't understand it though. But there's only four groups of people that are tossed into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone for all eternity. Lucifer, a thousand years later, the beast, the false prophet, and then those people that take the mark of the beast. I believe all of his angels are whoosh, along with the Nephilim, along with all of the tares, the grapes, everything. Well, the grapes are slashed, but the tares are all burnt. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, fall to the ground, pile of ashes of bones, which is why it takes seven months for them to bury the bones of the people killed in them in the battle Ezekiel 39. So anyway, that's that's where we're explaining that. So the people that wrote the, the song were saying things they didn't understand. That's, that's my point I'm trying to make. And people are still singing the songs and they don't understand all of it either. Um, and then in Joel 3.12 through 14, uh, it says, Let the heathen be awakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge all the, the heathen and round about. Do you want to say something about this? You're, you're on, same thing. Okay. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe come, get ye down, for the, the, for the press is full, the fats overflow, for the wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So this same is... Same thing, Armageddon. Same thing, yeah, same thing's going to happen. Uh, in Deuteronomy 32.1, it says, If I wet my glittering sword and morning my... star. Morning star. And my hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and will reward them that hate me. And then Isaiah 66, 15 and 16 says, behold, For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with, anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword will the Lord plead with all the flesh and slain of the Lord shall be many. And then Ezekiel 21, 3 says, and say to the land of Israel, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I am against thee, and will draw my, my sword out of his sheath, and will cut off from thee the righteous and the wicked. Now, they're, again, they're thinking a lot of this, and like a lot of churches, this has already happened, or they're thinking that it was supposed to be the, the, the south, being this, a lot of these things happening. Seeing then that I will cut off from, the, from thee the righteous and the wicked, therefore shall my sword go forth, out of the sheath against all flesh from the south to the north. I'm going to let it's you... It's all talking about Armageddon. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun. Shineth in his strength. Repent or else I'll come to thee quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Again, that's the, the sword that comes out of his mouth. The two witnesses also have that. These are my two witnesses that stand before the God of the earth. If any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of the mouth and devoureth their enemies. If any man hurt him, he must in this manner be killed. That's the morning star. And then when Jesus returns on the white horse, it says that, and, uh, and, and say, uh, the beast was taken with him, the false prophet, which wrought miracles before them, with which he deceived them, that he received the mark, and those that received his, uh, his image. And these both were cast alive into the lake of burning fire and brimstone. Why alive? Because they don't get soul death. Alive in the lake burning with brimstone, and the remnant were slain by the sword of him that sat on the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with the flesh. That's what we're talking about here. <clears throat> uh, stanza 2. 
I have seen him in the watchfires of a hundred circling camps. They have built him an altar in the evening dews and damps. I can read his righteous sentence by the dim and flaring lamps. His day is marching on. So they're talking about Jesus. He's still marching on. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> she wrote that Christ was in the watchfires of the Union military camps. She was thinking he's right there, you know, with the North, and he's all upset with the South, and and he's upset with all of us right now, <laughs> probably. And, and more than that, that the camps they set up pleased him, and that they were altars of worship. Is why she wrote that second stanza. And then directed his names. And the worshipers are fully prepared, eager even to carry out the righteous sentence of death prescribed in Revelation for all God's enemies. They'll carry it out on God's behalf. And in the Bible, the phrase, the day of the Lord, consistently refers to the day Christ will enact his final vengeance upon the earth. But in this song, the day of the Lord is ushered in by the marching forward of the Union troops, they thought. So this song was written to get people to be against slavery. And it was trying to say that the North is right and the South is going to be all burned up. And God's going to come Not down exactly with his, the right God's going to come down with his fury and, you know, just demolish Texas. <laughs> anyway, that's why she said, that this was why she wrote the second stanza. But people, we just don't understand it. I don't understand it. I just read the, I sing the words, right? I had no idea. Um, mm, I don't know if I want to go on. I think I'm going to do. I'm going to finish this talk on July the second, and I and then we're going to sing the Battle Hymn of the Republic. But you'll have more understanding what it's all about. But I love the part. We all get really eager and involved when we say "Glory, Glory." Join with me. Glory, Glory, Hallelujah. Glory, Glory, Hallelujah. Glory, Glory, Hallelujah. His truth, truth is marching, marching on. on. Right? So his truth is going to march on. And we are going to get to see the coming of the Lord, many of us. And so, you know, there's <clears throat> things that we're not going to enjoy, but we know that he's with us and going to take care of us. So there's no reason to get fearful. But I want you to understand what some of the, the stanzas are and also even why they leave out some of the stanzas if you go to sing, if they, they're going to go and sing them in churches and things like that. But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll finish this up on July 2nd. So I hope that you enjoyed this teaching. I, it was really interesting to me, and I was hoping that others would find it very interesting. God bless. Welcome to the Spirit of Prophecy Church. So happy to have you here. Uh, I have my helpers up here. Aren't they lovely ladies? Uh, I'm so privileged to have those beautiful ladies up here to help me. And this is little Paris. She's being trained too. Remember, remember her when she was? You prayed for her. A lot of you did. Uh, she was only um, born a pound and a pound and a half, fit in a cup. And here she is. And she's just beautiful and healthy and almost three. Oh, my goodness. Next month, she'll be turning three. Is J.C. here? Bring J.C. up here. Her, her birth, J.C.'s birthday is a day after Paris. I just want you to see. No, after. Day after. Come here. She's July 14th, and she's July 15th. Come here. Come over here by me. Come here, J.C. 
So here's the difference. <laughs> July 15th, July 14th. So, <laughs> but there's, both their brains are just as sharp as they can be. You're catching up, Paris, aren't you? You're catching up to her? How old is Jason? She'll be three a day after your sister turns three. Yeah? Anyway, let me have these for just a second. All right, some announcements that we have. Uh, June 18th is uh, Father's Day and then Spiritual Father's Day. So remember that day. It's the third Sunday of, of, of June. So that's coming up in two weeks. Uh, our Bible study is on Friday nights from 6.30 to 8 p.m. It is live stream, so I just encourage you to join it. You can join um, it on the Prophecy Club, also on... Oh, it's on here. I think YouTube, also Facebook for the Prophecy Club. And our first service, you're missing out if you're not joining us at 9.30. So please, you know, come and join us at 9.30. Receive that teaching as well as the 10.30 service. And one more thing. So do you remember, Scarlett, you want to tell them? Gosh, I hope my dress is going <laughs> Thank you. Uh, is on. Uh, do you know what's going to happen on August the twenty sixth? Do you know what that is? Do you know what that is? Rodeo. <laughs> Let me try again. It's Poppy's seventieth birthday. <laughs> so the information is on the flyer. So this is just to save the record the date. Okay. Record the date. Anyway, you can hand those to your mom and she'll hand them out, okay? All right, and then one more thing. Uh, this is to sign up for, to bring fellowship food. If you'd like to join doing that, whether it's bread, or donuts, eggs, cereal, whatever you would like to bring. So we'll hand this around to you. Can I hand that to your mama? All right, thank you, ladies. You can go off and, and be seated by your mom and dad. Can y'all help them down here? There's the little one. There we go. <laughs> I'm gonna, we're going to do a family vacation you know, here in a couple of weeks. And I have a six-month-old granddaughter, Kiara, from Bentley and Alicia. And little Paris is saying all the time, my glammy, my glammy. And I'm thinking... Kara might come back with a black eye. <laughs> she might just be socked. That's my glammy. <laughs> Leave my glammy alone. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I love you. Anyway, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Any praise reports? No praise reports? Okay, Michelle, quickly come here. We know you have a praise report. Any other praise reports? I'll take one more. Caesar, come on up here. Come on, okay. Okay, so my dad is home from the hospital. He went in Monday. I uh, thought, thought he was having a stroke, but he didn't. Um, so he's home and he's doing well. They did a biopsy. He has stage one, we believe, cancer, but this is beatable, so we're not worried about it. And so that's my praise report is that my dad got to come home, but he's still going to be all right. Yeah, amen. You know, it was interesting because the pain that he was having, it's like resembled a, a, um, 
like a heart attack. And so if, if he hadn't had that pain, they would have not done a, a CT scan, right, Michelle? Uh, to find it. So really, it's a, that it was a blessing in disguise. Come here, sir. Yes, I want to praise the Lord because uh, three weeks ago, I was on Saturday in the flea market over close to where I live. And apparently somebody's trying to steal my pickup, but they just barely go to the middle of the road. They can't go no more <laughs> because they don't turn the steering. And somebody called me and said, somebody's trying to steal your vehicle. I had to pull it back over there. And, uh, I mean, I, I praise the Lord for that. Amen. <laughs> don't mess with our cars, devil. <laughs> our vehicles. Well, praise God. All right, let's stand. Let's pray. We'll get our service going together this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much that we can come here and praise and worship your holy name. Lord, we love you so much, and we want to give you all the praise and honor and glory for everything that you do. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you, Lord, that we can freely praise and worship you. We don't have to do it in private at all. We don't have to be concerned if we're praising your name out in, out in the open even. We thank you for that. And Lord, we ask that you bless the service today. Anoint the service today, anoint the praise and worship and all the sound equipment and every uh, mechanical instrument that we have, just anoint it and have everything work. We thank you for it and ask that you bless the service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. And it's right now we'll have, uh, Brandon, you want to come up for offering? Morning, morning, everybody. How we doing? Hey, hey. It's good to see all these beautiful faces this morning. Bubba, how we doing? Oh, man. Here at uh, Spirit of Prophecy Church, we do the prophetic act of bringing your tithes to the storehouse. So we're going to start with just the general... Uh, church offering. So if you would please bring that forth and, and put it in the bucket for us. Uh, it's the one on your left. There we go. Thank you, Marcus. Amen. Thank you, Father. You know, guys, this to me is the beginning. This is where we start in faith with the Lord. As we give, uh, the word specifically tells us, test him and try me to see if I won't return back unto you. So I just encourage everyone, we do this all the time, but just step out in faith and give. Hallelujah. All right, so... Thank you, little lady. <laughs> this one here, please. All right. Okay, yeah. We're just going to do the the uh, church offering today. Oh, just for now. I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right. Father, we thank you so much for all that you do. Father, we receive these tithes and offerings, and we call forth multiplication to those that give. 
Father, we receive your blessings upon us as we go about our day with you in our hearts and, and on our minds. Father, we receive what you have for us in the days to come. And we thank you so much for the opportunity to give. What a, what a treat it is to get to give unto you, the one true living God, the God most high. And we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so now we've got missions. So this one, to me, is even more special. We, at this point in time, have an opportunity to receive blessings from other people's actions. See, when you give and you send the missionaries or you sponsor, so to speak, a crusade or anything like that, whether you are the speaker or whether you're the one that just keeps the restrooms clean, by your giving, you're right in the middle of all the action. The Lord says that, the Bible says that those that give will receive from whatever they've given unto. So with these missions, it's such a, to me, it's such a treat to be able to reach the Honduras people or the people in Pakistan or the people in Saudi Arabia and not have to be there. That's the treat. We don't have to be there. But I'm going to tell you right now, it, it can be quite a challenge to go. So it, it's truly a blessing to get to give unto the Lord and not have to stop work or take a two-week vacation or not pay a bill to, to go. Yes, it's, it's actually much easier to give than to go. So uh, I open up the missions basket here for those that want to give. Come forth and bring your, your offerings. Amen. Amen. All right, let's bless this mission offering this morning. Father, we so boldly come before your throne room of grace and mercy, full of praise and adoration for who you are. And I thank you, Lord, for the sacrifices that everyone has made to be able to give this morning. And I call forth your blessings upon them in whatever way, shape, or form you know. We thank you for these folks, and we thank you for their giving hearts, and we, we just thank you for loving us first. What a blessing it is to be your child. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, this is my way to uh, explain to you why I'm using such a crummy Bible. I probably got between 20 and 30 Bibles at my house. We probably got 15 or 20 back there. So I just went back there and quickly rummaged through them. And 
I like the print on this one better, but it is, is, is uh, somehow it, it was, anyway, yeah, well used. But the print's good. <laughs> so, let me have uh, our ushers up here. We're going to take our monthly, um, yeah, that's the word I was searching for, communion. <clears throat> Lord, we, we receive this grape juice. As representative, <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. Hold that rascal. <laughs> I need another little thing up here, don't I? Maybe I can do it now. The scrape juice is representative of your blood, and this unleavened bread is representative of your body. We do thank you for it. We bless it in Jesus' name. Go ahead and distribute that, and I'll talk here for a minute. Lord, would you turn that page? Thank you. <laughs> All right, I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, there we go. Okay. So, in the upper room, Jesus was a few hours from being crucified. Just like he saw one of the disciples under a tree, he knew all things. Even Peter turns to him and says, you know all things, Lord. Now, you, you know us that I love thee. He knew everything. He knew from the foundation of the world what death he was going to die. The most painful death, and yet here he is serving a communion, which was the most important thing in human history, when his blood hit that Ark of the Covenant, fulfilling the covenants of Leviticus concerning sacrifice, when that happened, the devil was cast out. Now, it's not cast out of everybody, but everyone that wants to receive Jesus can be set free. And, Lord, we thank you for that finished work on the cross. We thank you that through your blood, we can have eternal life. We don't have to die. If you believe in me, the works that I do, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. We're supposed to be working and serving. All right, we have it all distributed? Okay, all right, here we go. So I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 11, uh, verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. And they all ate. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And they all drank. Lord, we ask you to forgive our sins and heal us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise and worship with Leslie and Richard Telly Johnson. Johnson Richard Telly. Good morning, Johnson, everyone. Leslie, Let's stand Richard up Telly. and spread out. It's time to praise and worship our mighty God. Amen. He is worthy and worthy to be praised. 
God, let it just be a sweet sound into your ears. Let us not see and hear man, but Father God, let us see and hear you. In the name of Jesus, we break any anything hindering us from getting closer to you. Take us to a higher level, a deeper level, in worshiping your great and mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, you are worthy. Thank you, Father God. Come on, let's put our hands together. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. Yes, you do, Lord. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain moved. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. Hallelujah. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I find, I will find on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I've seen through the night Oh God, the battle belongs to you If you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. And when I see all the ashes, you see the beauty. God, you see an empty tomb. So when I fight, I will fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet, I sing through the night. Oh God. The battle belongs to you. And almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Nothing can stand against the power 
from getting on your knees and worshiping our Lord. Hallelujah. Ooh, I was stacking up the years. I was trading punches with the enemy. Ooh, built myself a double thick stone tower lies higher than the eye could see. Trapped in my flesh and bone. Crying out to you, Lord, I'm desperate. Love rattled this cage and set me free. Cause all of my fears like Jericho walls gotta come down, come down. All of my fears like Jericho walls gotta come down, come down, come down. My prison turns to ruin when your love moves in. All of my fears like Jericho walls gotta come down. Crashing through the pride and the blame came straight to the heart of me. Ooh, long before I ever called your name, you were fine for my victory. Carved in your flesh and bone, the wounds that have set my soul's forgiveness. Now I can feel the darkness trembling. It's all of my fears, like Jericho walls, gotta come down. Come down, all of my fears like Jericho walls gotta come down, come down, come down. My prison turns to ruin when your love moves in. All of my fears like Jericho walls gotta come down, come down, come down. Rebuild me from the ground up. It's all I want to see in you. Terrified with lies and truth. All of my fears, like Jericho walls, gotta come down, come down. All of my fears, like Jericho walls, gotta come down, come down. Oh 
Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for this breaking in our lives. Jesus, your name is power. God of Jacob, great I am, King of angels, Son of man, voice of many waters, song of heaven's throne, louder than the thunder, make your glory known. Let your lion roar. Hail, hail, lion of Judah. Let the lion roar. Hail, hail, lion of Judah. Let your lion roar. Hail, hail, lion of Judah. Let your lion roar.
overflow in this place. Fill our hearts with your love, your love surrounds us. You're the reason we came to encounter your love, your love.
the Spirit of the Lord is here, and the evidence is all around that the Spirit of the Lord is here. Lord, we thank you for this time, for being here, for your presence to be made known, for the breakthrough from each and every single one of us. Father God, mend those hearts, heal those hearts, heal those people from the inside out, Father God, that we would be pressed down, shaken together, and we can roll it over and spread your glory across the world. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Before you're seated, give somebody a hug. Um, thank you, praise and worship team. This is Pastor Jonathan, so he has an announcement to make. I do. I have an announcement to make. I am not going to be sharing anything. Kate is pregnant. No. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Lord, give me grace. <laughs> no, praise no, God. No, she's not. But <laughs> well, that would think. be wonderful. Will, that would be wonderful. She might be going, no. <laughs> Kate, are you ready? <laughs> okay, so still in back this, I wanted to say uh, praise the Lord for he is in this place. His presence is here. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and by his strength, we plan on growing this church. And one way that we plan on doing that is by our little children. These children will one day be adults like you and me. And uh, it's better for them to learn the truth here rather than going out there and being taught a lot of this nonsense that we hear today. So praise God. Today is my first day that I'm going to be starting uh, youth ministry. Um, so I'll be performing and I'll be helping out wherever I can with, with the children uh, ages 10 to 18. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you have a, a child or if you feel like there's people that you want to invite to church, we are starting this. We have been doing this ministry, but I will be dedicated towards that. So praise God. We plan on teaching your children the truth and laced with love, of course. So praise God. Amen. I say you two boys back there, you might, if you're, if, if the children's church is too babies for you because you're all grown up now, right? Even though you might not be 10, you're welcome to go in there with Pastor Yeah, you can Jonathan join my too. group. Yeah, grab them. Grab them and go. Amen. I might join the group too. Depends on, I know, we all can't go in there now because Stan won't have anybody to talk to, so. Anyway, no, praise Probably have about two people left out here. <laughs> I mean, they have so much fun. The children's church too is like, they're really laughing and giggling and having a good time. Now we're going to start hearing it in the fellowship area, too. So we all might be, if it starts winning in here, you might need to bring some evangelistic type of messages. Raw, raw, read. Well, I can remember when we first started the church, and I would get up here, and it was you and Leslie (laughs) in, and another couple. It was like four people out there. I know, Bentley and Sean, yeah. yeah. We could have held it in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, well, praise the Lord. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Um, if you'd like to join us here in Plano, it's beautiful here. It's beautiful spring days here. Yeah, we have jobs that are probably officer. available here. <laughs> but, um, Not all you know, our if people you, have if, those. If, if you really like the Spirit of Prophecy Church, you know, God might be uprooting you to plant you here. And if that's you, then we'd love to have you come and join us. So we have people that come from all over the place to join us uh, all the time. And we'd like for you to set your feet here. We will welcome you. And also, those of you watching online, even in Sweden right now, we have people watching us, so it's pretty awesome. We're pretty much an international global ministry, not just for the people here in this church, but we're glad to reach out. So, Lord, I ask that you bless Pastor Stan today, give him your anointing, give him the message that you've laid on his heart to give us today. Everybody just take your right hand and put it on your right ear. Right hand, right hand, now, <laughs> right hand, and put it on your ear. Lord, give us the ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord, of the Lord is saying today. Help us to have understanding, and understanding of your word and your message. And let us not forget the message today. And let us be able to give the truth out there once we receive it to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Wisdom and might are yours. You change the times and seasons. You removeth kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things. You knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with you. And Lord, we thank you that we gathered in your name. There you are in the midst of them. We thank you that you're opening our eyes and helping us to see, to be prepared for your coming that we are watchmen, watch ye therefore and pray always that you might be accounted worthy to escape the judgment of the morning star, to be able to stand before you to hear well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, we ask that you would bring your anointing upon me and the congregation and that we would feel your anointing and receive your message. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so yesterday when I fell to my knees, Lord, what do you want to say? And I heard talk on forgiveness. No, 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 no. Okay. Lord, we push the erase button, okay? So delete. Lord, what do you want to say tomorrow? I want you to talk on forgiveness. Okay. Lord, what? Three times forgiveness. See, because why do I want to talk on that? Because sometimes it's easier to teach the Bible than it is to walk the Bible. I'm not talking about just me. I'm talking about all of us. Sometimes it's easier to listen to someone read the Bible than someone to say, we got to live the Bible. So, you want me to talk on forgiveness, and as I first typed that first word, I actually first mistyped that. I put an E right here, but see, that's what it's really saying. It's saying, before give. What? You mean we're supposed to forgive before we're offended? 
That was a fill in the blank. You were supposed to say amen there. Forgive, okay, what is forgive? Forgive is we've already decided that people around us are going to make mistakes. Right? Why? Because we are going to make mistakes. Bible says that if we don't forgive others, that was a fill in the blank. Somebody's supposed to fill in the blank there, okay? If we don't forgive others, Amen. He didn't forgive us, Amen. right? Now, I don't know what had is with you guys, but I can tell you had is with me. I'm, I, it seems like my life is a walking mistake, you know? I, I don't go from faith to faith. I, I go from mistake to mistake. Now, ladies, you probably don't do that. I don't know about you ladies. The ladies probably are perfect. <laughs> See, I get a response then. Now, guys, you've got to help me out. For us guys, we, we make more mistakes than the ladies, right? But see, if we can't forgive them, you know what we're really saying? I don't make mistakes. Now think about it. If we can't forgive, then that's saying we never make a mistake. Amen. Right? Right? Now think about it, right? And by the way, wives... The men are hoping you're listening. <laughs> if we can't forgive, it's saying we're perfect. Right? Dale Carnegie said, when you're wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. It takes away the sting. It takes away the pain of it. And, you know, ladies, what the... the the, the, what you really want your husbands to do, or your sons, or your neighbors, or the men, or the women, to do, when they make a mistake, come and say, okay, 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 okay. I made a mistake. Now, is that good enough, ladies? Is that good enough? No. Do we have to get out and grovel? He, Dale Carnegie said, when you're wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. Okay, well, it's all right, I could have done it different. Wrong. Right? All right, I mean, I wasn't exactly correct. Is that emphatically? No. If you want to take the sting out of it, if you want to take the heat away, the best thing to do is to put the heat on you. I like what Sean Johnson, my son, said. He wasn't married, but probably two months. And he called, he said, Dad, I learned something today. What was that? He said, I learned that you have to apologize even when you don't think you did something wrong. Okay, the guys are the guys are understanding. Now the women are going, I apologize when I did anything wrong. Yeah, we know. <laughs> Emphatically is this. 
I'm sorry. I was wrong. And of course, now and the guy is probably thinking, I wasn't real wrong, but there was something wrong in there someplace, and so I gotta really lay it on thick if I'm gonna get out of this. I was wrong. Oh, by the way, you don't listen. You need to go, I'm Leslie. You need, yeah, you go. You don't listen to all my secrets. <laughs> I was wrong. Men say that. I was wrong. I was wrong. See, you almost have to grab your your fingers, grab your lips, and say, I was wrong. <sighs> I know what you guys are thinking. You're thinking, well, I gotta keep some kind of pride. No, you don't. You don't got to keep it. Matter of fact, if you're trying to keep your pride and your self-respect, you're already in trouble. Now, some of you guys understand what I'm talking about. I, that you can tell because you hear an amen. And some of those have not discovered the truths of life yet. It was... It, it, here. Honey, I was really wrong. Now, that's what it feels like, guys. Inside, that's what it feels like. I was really, really, really wrong. Ha! I will never do it again. I'll never do it again. Now, it, it, that's what it feels like inside. But we're going, honey, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm just, you, you know, you're right. I, I should have never done that. I should have never said that. I'm a, blo- I'm, I'm a blooming idiot. <laughs> now that's what it sounds like on the inside, but I mean on the outside, but on the inside it sounds like we're losing all self-respect. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> See, there is some wisdom in the room. Today we're going to look at forgiveness. If we can't forgive, then Jesus doesn't forgive us. He's the only one that was perfect, and yet he died on the cross because of our mistakes. The guy that didn't make any mistakes died so he could cover our mistakes. Amen. I know what you're thinking, but you don't know how much he hurt me. You don't know how much they hurt me. Look it. I'm a pastor. You have not had your heart ripped out like anything like what a pastor goes through. When you've had people come in and love you and tell you they love you and they hug your neck and then they turn around and run the knife in, top and rip it all the way to the bottom. And you got to forgive. Honey, maybe we should just close the church. Did God tell you to start it? I knew you'd say that. <laughs> yes. I'm only saying, pastor's got to forgive. Amen. you got to forgive too. Amen. We do wrong, you do wrong. 
Boss does wrong. Customers do wrong. Amen. Husband does wrong. Husband does wrong. Amen. You got it. Got to lead the way. Now, the smart men in the room understand what I'm doing because my wife is in earshot. And we live at the same address. When we can't forgive, it's saying we're perfect. It's saying we're better than you. It's saying Jesus would not find anything wrong in me. Does that scare you? I've heard a lot of people say, Oh, I I wish Jesus would walk in the room right now. No, you don't. Because if he walked in the room right now with all of his holiness, we couldn't get our face off the floor. Excuse me. I didn't intend this to be an emotional talk. I walked over to Leslie before I got up here, and I said, I'm going to be talking about forgiveness. By the way, we might get to the PowerPoint. I said, and so I'm praying, I'm asking the Lord to remind me of anything that I need to ask for forgiveness for. If anybody's offended me, or can you, you know, by the way, if you want to find out anything Stan's done wrong, the wife. And that's nothing. Men, I was talking to a guy who's getting a divorce. His wife has filed divorce on him. <clears throat> He said, she can go through and say, well, you've done this and this and this and this. You know, it's like ticking off along. You've done this and this and this and this. And then when she gets to the bottom, and this and this. And this. <laughs> you know, he says, and Stan, I looked at her straight in the eyes. And I was asking myself, what has she done wrong? Man, what, what, what did he remember? That's right. Nothing. Now, it's not that she had, well, <laughs> I started to say she doesn't run. But see, since women don't do anything wrong, he said, I honestly couldn't think of one thing she'd done wrong. Now, it's not that she was perfect. It's just that <laughs> we don't have a brain. When God was handing out brains, we thought he said trains. We don't need any. So we don't get no brains. Women, it was 2 o'clock. The wind was blowing at about 4 degrees out in the north. It was at 72 degrees. They were expecting it to snow that night. And you said, I'm in trouble. How can I deal with that? You got a brain. I ain't fair. So we're having this marriage seminar coming up. Me and Leslie and... Lou and Jonathan and Kate, church leadership, gets together around our kitchen table. Hmm. I have anything to say. You know, you know I, 
Yes, you do. What? And I think most of what I would say is, men, it's your fault. When in doubt, it's your fault. It's your fault you asked her to get married. And everything since then is your fault. <laughs> it's your fault. And so if you can't learn to apologize quickly and emphatically, you're going to have trouble. Because women don't make any mistakes. Now, <clears throat> here's what you do when your wife makes a mistake. She didn't make a mistake. You say, uh, <clears throat> Jesus... Are you, are you catching? Lord. Yeah, help. Help. I've discovered if you go try to talk to her, anything you say never hits her. bounce back and hit you. But, if I can say, Lord, you saw it. Oh, I remember this night. I remember this. I thought, I'm going to watch for years. One of these days, I'm finally going to catch her doing something wrong. I thought, all right, all right, this is it. This is it. By golly, I'm, I'm finally going to stand up for myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell her what's for you. You saw it, Lord. <laughs> you saw it for, for, it took me 40 years to finally, she really, but you saw it, Lord. You saw it. You know that was wrong. But, 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 you know what I hear? Apologize. <laughs> Apologize. Ask for forgiveness. But, 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 but. Anybody need to hear this? Amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and go eat then. <laughs> <laughs> now, the first thing I think the Lord wants me to say is men, apologize. Because you can't attack your wife and go anyplace. You're the leader of the house. I heard my wife say right. I heard my wife say right. I heard my wife say right. <clears throat> apologize apologize men apologize it's your responsibility everything in the marriage is your responsibility now <clears throat> you go to a guy are you the boss in your home yes I'm a boss in my home then you are also responsible 
wait a minute, you bought it. You're the one that says you're the boss of your home. That means you got to accept the good side and the bad side. That means you're responsible. So if something's going wrong in your marriage, something's going wrong with your finances, something's going wrong with the job, it's your fault. It's your responsibility. Now, ladies, here's what I want to say to you. Nothing. <laughs> I would say to the ladies, forgive. Forgive. Us men, we are a walking terror. We bounce from mistake to mistake to mistake. We say things that are not right. We do things that are not right. We don't have a brain. Finally, Leslie figured that out. And she knows that she has to tell me not two or three times, sometimes three or five times, where we're going, what we're doing. Remember, we leave at 5.15. For what? I told you five times. But I can get up and quote Revelation. See, I don't have a brain. Do you understand what I'm saying? Well, I don't have a brain. But the ladies challenge that list. Ladies, you got to roll it up. Got to roll it up. Put it aside. Well, <clears throat> I was going to say, I was going to say, <laughs> I'm getting some help from the men now. I was going to say, put it aside. And before I could say the next word, he said, burn it. And that's, that's the next thing I was about to say. And really, you should burn it. Ladies need to forgive. Men try to do it right, but we just can't. We just can't. We can't remember. We have one thing on our mind. It's a three-letter word, and it starts with an S. Man. That one flew right over your head. <laughs> The guys know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> so ladies have to forgive. Since the men don't do it, since the ladies don't do anything wrong, men don't have to forgive. Okay. <laughs> So, since the ladies don't ever do anything wrong, men have to forgive all the time. Right? Ladies don't do anything wrong. You know what is so amazing? Is I see so many of the women's heads going... It's like... Whew. You know, this sermon is not exactly hitting home today. <clears throat> I need, you know, those little bar, those little door things on the lights. I need one of those that goes <laughs> for that side of the room. Ladies, forgive your husbands. Forgive them. Forgive them. Understand that they are a mess. They are a mistake. 
They are forgetful, but they love you. And they want the best for you. And they want children, and they want the three-letter word. <clears throat> you mean there's other people in the room? Does it apply to other people in the room? Yes. So it's appropriate then. Yes. So I'm okay? Mm-hmm. So, so related to all people? So in other words, I mean, just men in general. Not just men? No. Just like, not just husbands. Amen. Well, <clears throat> I think that I'm kind of talking to the men and the women that are married, but if you think I'm only talking to the people that are married, you're missing it. Truth is, all the ladies need to forgive men a whole lot more, not just the married ones. Truth is, men need to be more understanding of the women. They need to help the women. They need to be those people that do open the doors for them, do understand that they're a weaker vessel. Now, that didn't say that they don't have more brains because they do have more brains. But they are the weaker vessel here. And men are the weaker vessel here. We don't, <clears throat> you know, you heard it said, you got to put it in gear before you let out on the clutch. Men don't do that. We just put it in gear. We just say things we shouldn't say. And it just pops out. And then sometimes we don't ask for forgiveness. So men ask for forgiveness. And ladies, forgive them. There, let's go eat. Okay, so I ain't going to have time to cover my PowerPoint. There's no sense in even getting into that. So I prayed and asked the Lord would fill my heart with what to say. A lot of marriages are broken up because they can't forgive. They're broken up because they can't forgive. Ladies, take that list and don't be proud of yourself because you've got a list. Be ashamed. Men can't remember some things, but women can't forget. I can't tell you how many times Leslie says, well, my, my, my brain is just busy. And I think busy brain we don't have a brain you know we can't think so I'm saying whether this is not just a marriage talk this is an every place talk right all the men so women be quick to forgive get rid of that list burn that list drop it they make mistakes I like how Leslie when she goes out of town she will print it up Her, uh, <laughs> excuse me, that's what I meant. She'll print up her itinerary that lets me know when to take her to the airport, when to pick her up. <laughs> Did you feed the dogs? <laughs> you know, we, we, uh, we need that help. She also suggested I not put so many words 
on a page. <coughs> so I had already made this uh, PowerPoint, so I just want to let you know there's enough words on that page to talk for an hour and not change it. So let me tell you the story, because this is probably one of the greatest incidents in the Bible of forgiveness. So the story was, if you'll just look at the yellow, <clears throat> Isaac was 40 years old, and they had, a, had two children. Rebecca couldn't conceive. Joseph, or excuse me, uh, Isaac prayed that God would give her children. He gave her two. Then he spoke to her and said, there's two nations in your belly. And the, the older will serve the younger. The first came out red, very hairy. The second one, what, he was a cunning hunter. The second one, however, uh, was more of an inside person. One day, Jacob, <clears throat> that's the, the younger, the smooth guy, had made pottage, or he'd made some soup, as we call it today. Esau came in from the field, he was faint, <clears throat> and he said, give me some of your, your pottage, give me some of your soup, and he said, I'm about to die if you don't. He says, okay, give me your birthright. Now, what's a birthright? In the Bible, it says that <clears throat> the oldest boy, sorry, the women don't get anything, the oldest boy got twice what all of the other children get. So that's the birthright. It's what the father gives the son. Swear to me this day, down verse 33, so he gave him his birthright, and he despised him because he's birthright. So Jacob was out of order, but nevertheless Esau agreed to it. Then the blessings come from God. So birthright comes from father to son. Blessings come from God. So they switched that now, again, I wasn't going to go into more detail, but I don't have time to go into the detail. And I'm probably going to have to switch through this real quick. So the first there was Abraham. <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't have to get through. But I think I'm going to skip this because this doesn't make a real big point. So now Isaac is about to die. So he tells Esau, that's the man of the field, the hunter, the hairy red guy, Go out, kill me a deer, bring it back in, and make me deer meat, and I'm going to bless you before I die. Rachel, the mom, overhears this. and She prefers the son, uh, Jacob. <clears throat> he said, no, 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 no. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to switch. So while Esau was hunting, she got Isaac to put the blessing of the firstborn on Jacob. In other words, the blessing was switched. So Esau had a very good reason to be angry at Jacob. That's my point. Jacob had stolen his birthright, which means instead of getting a double portion of all the other children, now he's only going to get a normal portion. Jacob gets the double portion. That's from father to son. Then he also switches the blessings from God so that Jacob will get more blessing from God than Esau. So Esau had very good reasons to be angry. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I 
I've skipped a lot of the story, so let me get to the point here. <clears throat> You're right, I do put too much words on there, don't I? See? It was a good example. All right, see? <laughs> uh, okay, nope, 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 let me, let me back up. Okay, so in the blessing, this is the blessing giving to Jacob. Therefore God shall give ye the dew of heaven, and the fatness of the earth. When you look up that word fatness, the word in the Hebrew is mashman, number 4924. And it means crude oil. So you're going to be getting the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. This is Jacob. Now, does Israel have a lot of oil today? No, they don't. But what about Esau? Esau's blessing was <clears throat> you're also going to have the fatness of the earth, the dew of the earth, but by your sword you'll live, and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass, when thou shalt have the dominion, that thou shalt break his yoke from off his neck. And I believe the dominion was when massive amounts of oil were found in Saudi Arabia and the other Arab countries. Then that was breaking off Jacob's ruling over Esau. <clears throat> but... I believe that the day is coming, probably very soon, possibly even this year, that there's going to be massive amounts of oil found in Israel. And that is going to raise up Jacob to be the wealthiest, strongest nation on earth. And I skip that, go on. Skip that, go on. I made my point. That's Esau's blessing. Those are primarily the Esau areas, and that's, those are the areas where there's lots and lots of oil found. <coughs> And I'm not going to have time to cover this, except I will say this is Jacob's children. So Jacob had 12 children. The ones with the red X did not get any oil. But the ones with the little golden oil drop did in their prophecies. And I'll skip on. And I said that. And all of this, I was going to get to tell you all of it. But we covered that. If you can speed read, you can get it. Or you can get your Bible and you can read it. <coughs> I, I got you, I got you. Okay, here it is. So, after Esau had brought in the deer that Jacob, his father, asked him to bring in, he walks in for his blessing Father says, I'd already given the blessing to Jacob, your brother. So obviously that made Esau very mad. So he stole his birthright. He also stole his blessing from God. He said, do you not have another blessing for me? And he did bless him, but it wasn't as big. So at that, Esau got really, really angry. He said, well, right now are the days of my dad's mourning, but after that, I'm going to kill him. Rebecca, the mom, heard this, and so here it is. These words of Esau, our elder son, were heard, told to Rebekah. And so Esau was purposing to kill Jacob. So the mom says, look, I want you to obey my voice. Arise and go to your brother, uh, to Haran, and tarry with him many days until thy brother's fury be turned away. So Esau had a very good reason for being very, very angry at Jacob. Now, what finally happened? <clears throat> They got, they got back together, and here's what happened. Isaac called Jacob, 
and blessed him and charged him and said, Thou shalt not take... Oh, oh, no, that's not what I want to cover. Give thee blessing. Hang on. No, skip that part. We're going to make a point here. <clears throat> skip that. That. See, I had all this stuff. You guys got me off on another target here. Oh, okay, all right, no, no, here it is, okay. So Jacob sent the messengers before Esau. So he was going to go visit his brother Esau after many years. He'd had now two wives and many children and lots of blessings. <clears throat> so he sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau. He said, don't be angry with me. He heard that his brother was coming with 400 men, right? And there, there we go, 400 men with him. Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He divided the people into two. Why? Because he thought he was probably going to come to kill him. So he put his less favorite wife, his less favorite children in front, and some of his lower quality flocks in front. He held back his favorite wife, his favorite children, and favorite flocks, so that if he killed the first one, maybe the second one could run. So as he sees Esau... He came running up, he hugged him, he kissed his neck, and Esau forgave him. We sometimes, this is my point, we sometimes forget to forgive when someone said the wrong thing or they wronged us. But in this case, Esau lost half of his inheritance from his father, and he also lost a lot of blessings from God but he still forgave him, and God blessed him anyway. I remember <clears throat> I got an email when I had uh, Secret Order to Understand Bible Prophecy printed up. No, that wasn't the book. It was another book. It was uh, the, the book. on Anyway, it spent $12,000 and uh, had the book printed up, got the book and everything, and I got an email that says, okay, well, here's where you need to send the $12,000. So, as the email said, I sent the, the money over. About two months later, finally I got a call from the printer, and they said, are you ever going to pay that bill? I said, what are you talking about? I already paid it. I already sent you proof in an email I paid it. They said, no, you did not. And I said, is your account Wells Fargo, blah, da, 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 da? No, we don't have any accounts at Wells Fargo. And this cold chill went over me. Come find out, their emails had been hacked. And someone had been watching our emails back and forth, sent me an email, told me to send it to a different bank, which I did, which I thought their email, it came from their email. Anyway, $12,000. So what did I do? I said, Lord, the right thing to do is to pay the bill. So I paid the bill. God replaced the 12000 to me. Amen. What I'm saying is, it's important that we forgive. Esau forgave, even though he lost half of his income, half of his inheritance, he forgave. Sometimes we don't forgive for some very, very small things. So in the case of $12,000, because I forgave the per the, I don't know who it was that stole it. God knows. God will bring judgment. You know, he'll, he'll do the right. He's the righteous judge. It's his problem. I just had to do the right thing. 
the right thing is forgiving. So to the men I say, you're wrong. <laughs> Apologize. Ask for forgiveness, even when you don't think you're wrong. To the women, I'll say, forgive. Get rid of the list. Don't be great at remembering. Be great at forgetting. I remember when Louisa May Alcott, very famous lady, was asked about an offense some years later after it. She says, no, I don't remember that. I distinctly remember forgetting. That's what we have to do. We have to, no, I distinctly remember forgetting. Look, among Christians, there should not be a time when we can't get along. We're commanded to forgive. The world out there, they don't. But they seem to get along. But they're not attacked by the devil. The devil's already got them in his book. We're the ones attacked. So what we have to do is forgive. That's, that's the point that I'm trying to make is forgive. Forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. Now, there's one more step. I believe that there's some people in here today that are carrying some unforgiveness. Why? Why do I believe that? Because I've carried it in the past. It's the reason before I got up to do this message, I was over here praying, Lord, is there... So I have any unforgiveness and I, 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 I couldn't remember any. But I thought, well, if I do, Leslie will certainly remember. So, so I went to Leslie and I asked her, I said, do I have any unforgiveness? She couldn't think of anything either. But I'm going to say that there's probably a good possibility that there are some that's carrying forgiveness. And I can say to you, ask for forgiveness after you walk out. But the thing of it is, is, There's something more powerful when you come to the altar and do it. I remember when I was just coming back to the Lord, having not gone to church for, I don't know, probably, I don't know, a lot of years. And I sit down in the pew. You've heard the saying, nervous as a whore in church. Well, that's kind of what I felt like. Hadn't been to church in years. Sat down. And probably it wouldn't seem like two or three minutes until all of a sudden all the men in the church stood up and started walking down to the front. And this person next to me put, go, go, go with them. So I stood up, you know, all the other guys. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, all of a sudden I find myself walking down to the front of this church, first time I was there. And then all of them kneeled down. I thought, uh... I can't just not kneel down. So I kneeled down. And I got right with the Lord. I said, okay, Lord, I made a mess of my life. If you'll forgive me, give me another chance from here on out. I'll read your book and I'll follow your book. So I'm going to give you the opportunity to come up and get down here and get right with God. You're not coming to the front of a church. You're coming before the altar of God. You're not coming to get prayed for by Stan and Leslie. You're coming to say, all right, I'm forgiving this person. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. They may not forgive you. You can't control that. All you can control is what you carry. And what you're basically saying before the Lord is, 
I refuse to carry this anymore. When you carry unforgiveness, it destroys you. It doesn't hurt them. It destroys you. You talk to people where they've had a husband or wife or brother, someone murdered. The ones that can't forgive are the ones that are really hurt. I see this. Leslie likes to watch a lot of this 2020 where they're talking about these people getting murdered. I'm so impressed when I see these people say, and they, no, no, I want to I go in. I, I want to see this person. And they will get up and say, I forgive you. Why? Because they're saying, I'm not carrying it. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, you are the one that's being hurt. It's hurting you. Now's the time to get rid of it. So I now open the altars. If you want to come up and talk to God and ask him to forgive you, then come on up and ask him to forgive you. Forgive them. Forgive them. Ask God to forgive you. It's a time for forgiveness. I'm not going to carry it anymore. I'm not going to carry it anymore. Not mine to carry. I forgive them. Forgive. Lord, I'm not perfect. I ask you to forgive me, and I forgive them. I'm not going to carry it anymore. Leave it at the altar. Leave it at the altar. Don't carry it anymore. Don't carry it anymore. Don't carry it anymore. 
carry it anymore. Leave it at the altar. Can't carry it. Gotta leave it. I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them. I'm going to end it there. God bless you. Thank you for coming.